Well, we're still in the ballroom. And there are those of us that probably look around and say they must have illusions of grandeur um, with all of the chairs that are set up. And, uh, you know, they've been remodeling and our room that's just across the hall isn't quite ready for occupancy yet, I must assume, since they put us in here again today. But this is always my opportunity to remind you that uh, you have the opportunity of inviting friends and neighbors to join us. Uh, and there's no reason why uh, in a facility this large, I'm talking about Sun City, Shadow Hills, that we couldn't uh, have a couple of people sitting in the low price section over there. But uh, anyway, we're so glad that you're here this morning. And we're looking forward to being with you uh, each and every week. Uh, possibly not in this room. Hopefully, hopefully not in this room, actually. Uh, but back in our room uh, across the way. So when you come back next week, uh, those of you that don't remember, and we've been in here for almost two months, two months I think, uh, you might have forgotten where our room is. But it's it's just right across the hall. Just as you come in the doors off the swimming pool, uh, it's right there. Capistrano Room is the title of the room. Uh, we've been doing a series on prayer, and I'm going to continue with that series today. And, and as we get into the, the uh, message itself, I'd like to take a moment, and I do this frequently, to remind us of the hymns that we sing. And I, I can't get over how my staff, oh, the staff has been added. There's, wow, I didn't, that's wonderful. Uh, and you didn't even come for an interview. That's, anyway, that's great. Uh, when, when I decide on a message, I share that message title and the scripture lead-in uh, with Shirley. And uh, that's all the information she has as far as what we're going to do uh, in the way of message. And so then she looks through the hymnal or thinks through the hymnal uh, and determines what songs would be appropriate. And I can't get over how the Holy Spirit and my staff uh, cooperate in in picking the songs that they choose because they speak to what we're going to be speaking about. And there's things I want to point out in this last song that we just sang. Wonderful piece. Look at the chorus. I pray, down at the end, sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. And we're going to be talking about prayer today. We are talking about prayer today. And I would double check now I'm, I'm praying that I actually turn this thing on. Uh, for those of you that don't know what I'm doing, uh, we do record these and you can actually listen to them again, you know, on a, on a day when you're masochistic and, you know, you're worried about those kinds of things. Forever I, and the best phrase I love in hymns is follows, fathomless billows. Think about that for just a moment. Fathomless. That means without end. That's another word for everlasting. Forever. Fathomless billows. A hole that has no bottom. That's a fathomless 
billow, and those are and billows are what waves, fathomless billows of waves. Goes on and on. When when we plug in uh, to the love that the Lord provides us there, and of course the the verses speak for themselves. We got to say this one more one more thing about hymns because it's important. Hymns are written with spiritual messages in mind. And most of them are just dead on. Get a hammer and a nail and pound the nail in. There, there it is. Uh, if that was not true, the hymn, the hymn wouldn't have lasted. The hymn would have been taken out of the hymn book. So when you actually sing a hymn or, or you read a hymn, and I recommend sometimes that it's good to just read the words of the hymn and think about what those words are saying. So often we get in, well, we got to stay up with the music and hit the high note with Shirley and, and et cetera, and all of those things, and we, and we miss the message. Fathomless billows of what? Of love, our little song has spoken of. Isn't that a marvelous thing? Isn't that a marvelous, beautiful thing? So as we talk about prayer today, and prayer, by the way, is our avenue, so I guess we're now officially started, uh, is our avenue to God at any given moment in any given day. Because God is always there. God is always there. And so we're going to pray that we understand a little bit more about prayer today as we look at some scripture and talk about our prayer lives. So let's pray. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds to your word today as we discuss a perfect avenue, the avenue that you have established for us to communicate with you. So help us to open our end of the lines of communication to you. You're always there. You're always ready and waiting for us. Here we are. Greet us. Accept us. Sit down with us. Be with us. And for this we give thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Uh, Let me read a scripture and then we'll go on. Hebrews chapter... 13, that's somewhere after the Gospels. Uh, Somebody said that once I get to the book of John, I can't go any further. Uh, And he's not here anymore. Uh, (laughs) He was our our co-pastor for years. uh, And he's he's now doing other things. Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verses 20 and 21, I believe, are the verses. Correct. Now, listen carefully. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Wow. There's a foundational term concerning our faith. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you, that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever 
and ever. Amen. That's what we're going to be talking about. That's what we're going to be talking about. Who are we talking to? Let me read it again. It's worth hearing again. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, there's a mission statement, and it's printed in your bulletin, and I'm not going to turn there and read it to you again, but you can look at it at your leisure. And that mission statement talks about this church is founded to reach out and touch people with this message. The Good Shepherd is here, and the Good Shepherd wants to meet you, and the Good Shepherd wants you to become part of his flock. That's the simple physical terms. Spiritualize that and figure it out for yourself. But that's exactly what we are about. Our purpose, this church's purpose, is to reach out into this community and even beyond, outside the gates. I know you have to get special permission to come in the gate, or at least I do, uh, because I don't live here. Uh, but wherever we go, my mission in life, your mission in life, not because of my vocational uh, practice on Sunday morning, but our mission in life is to reach out and touch others with the message I just read. That's what it's all about. Now, how do we do that? Well, because we all have, we have physical lives to lead. We've got children that we have to still nurture, no matter how old they are. Who's 50 years old? Not any of ours. Lindy. Lindy. 50 yeah. years old. 50 year old son. Uh, let's see, I'm going to be, uh, that means my eldest son is pushing 50 himself. I don't think I want to be around the year he turns 50. Rob has got a, he had problems when he became 40. Uh, so, uh, anyway, I imagine I will hear a couple of things about him being, uh, being 50. Anyway, there, that's a little side note. But, uh, <clears throat> we're here. So we talk about praying. He was learned how to pray, has learned the greatest secret of a happy and holy life. Happy and holy life. How can we say, how can happy be connected to prayer? Because if we are in a prayerful life, if we are in consistent uh, communication with God the Father, the great shepherd, the one who raised Jesus from the dead. You know, I just read all of that to you. If we're in constant communication with him and following his path, uh, he's the light unto our, our path, and we follow his, his rules, his commandments, if I can use that word that some people trip over, then we're going to have a happy life. Think about the commandments, and I've said this often enough. The commandments are merely just rules for living. Don't kill anybody. Well, I think we could get along with that, couldn't we? If I were to kill Joe, do you think Rosie would still love me? Well, it depends on what day it was, I guess. But you got the idea. Don't steal. If I stole from you, I mean, that would probably damage our relationship, wouldn't it? If I lie to you, if you can no longer trust me, wouldn't that damage our relationship? So we, you look at the, those, those quote laws, those commandments in that way, and you see what the purpose of them are. 
why God gave them to us. Not because he's the dictator, not because it's the way I want it to be, although that's what we could also say that's true, but it's for you. It's so you can have what? Can have that happy life that we're talking about, and then even the holy life. And then we back up to the first four commandments. Have no other God before me, you know, no graven image, etc., etc. And I'm not doing ten commandments today, although it looks like I just have. Uh, happy and holy life. But many people think of God as a tyrant. You know, how could God possibly have allowed that earthquake to happen in Ridgecrest and mess up a city? How could God possibly have allowed that fire in a city... Can you believe a city called Paradise Paradise that burned completely to the ground? Paradise no longer exists. They've got to build that thing up from the ground again. How could a loving God allow that to happen? It's God's fault. And what happened to me yesterday? What happened to me yesterday? How could God possibly allow that to happen to me? As wonderful as I am, How could God allow that to happen to me? Have you ever thought that? Think about it now. Be honest. Don't raise your hand. It's a rhetorical question. But there it is. We've all been there. How could God allow this to happen to me? Don't you know who I am? Do you need to see my driver's license? Come on. Tyrant. Maybe even sort of a slot machine. You put in a prayer, God, I need a loaf of bread, and poof, there it is. You know, if we look at Scripture, and I don't, I don't see in Scripture, and not even manna in the wilderness. There were rules for the manna in the wilderness. God gave manna in the wilderness because that's what uh, his people truly needed. Now, when's the last time you had a bowl of manna? And you know what the, you know what the translation for manna is? What is it? Nobody really knows what is it, except it was there and it was nourishing and it got them through 40 years of wilderness, of wandering. There we go. An impersonal force. God doesn't care. God's just kind of running things. We can think that way about our elected officials sometimes. Uh, But that's not God. God loves me. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. And we're not talking about the dirt. We're talking about you. We're talking about me. We're talking about humankind. We are called special creation. You go back and look at Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And look at your origins. Look at how man came into being uh, in God's creation. God created man like a clay thing on the ground. And then God bent down, the scripture tells us, very clearly, and breathed the breath of life into the nostrils of Adam, and Adam became a living being. That's what it says. And by extension, then, when he took the rib and and we get Eve, all of us, all of us owe our very lives to the love of God. That's how much God loves us. Most of us have a family, have children. I know that Shirley and I planned all four of our children. They weren't accidents. They weren't just, well, 
you know, biology will be biology. No, no, we planned our children. We have four children. We, like God, planned his universe. God planned for you. God knew from the foundations of the earth that Rosie was going to be here, that Shirley was going to be here, that Ruth was going to be here. That Ruth, two Ruths, and they're separated so I can tell the difference. Uh, and so on. And the ladies in the back who don't have their names yet, but I will before they get out of here. You have their names. Bless your heart. Part of my adjunct staff. Yeah. But not front row staff, you notice. Second row. Anyway. Not an impersonal first. Impersonal force. God loves you. God loves you so much, the scripture says, that he sent his son. That even while you were not very lovely... He loved you anyway. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's exactly what your position was that many years ago. That's what my position was that many years ago. Even while I was yet sinners, Christ had his hand out and said, Come, join me, be with me. He's the loving Father. Luke chapter 11 tells us this. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? What is that saying? Well, we get God loves God is our Father. If we believe creation, and I do, uh, if we believe what I just said about Adam, and Adam is my, put enough greats in front of grandfather, uh, and that's Adam. I'm related to Adam. I'm related to that person uh, that laid on the ground and had the breath of life breathed into him by uh, God, loving Father. So isn't that loving Father going to take care of me? I think of, well, I, I spoke about my four children. I fed them and I clothed them and I provided a house for them and I kept them from playing in the streets so they didn't get run over by a truck. I showed that physical kind of love I love my children. And and I'm speaking, I think, for all of us, uh, but using myself as the example in this case. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7 says, If you then, through though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those that ask him? I'm a sinful person. You're a sinful person. Sorry. If that's a wake-up call for you, there it is. Uh, but I can be nice occasionally. Uh, can can I? Sometimes. Sometimes, Shirley says, my staff speaking. No, actually, my wife. She's my wife now. No, no staff. <clears throat> and my kids will agree occasionally that even when I was the tyrant that I was, the drill instructor that I was, yes. I'm a former drill instructor in the United States Marine Corps. I'm proud of it. But my kids aren't that proud of it. <laughs> Listen to them. What a tyrant I must have been. But good gifts. Even while I was yet evil, I gave good gifts. And so therefore, speaking in terms of God, then how can God do any less but actually more? Because God has a never-ending, never I can never forgive you for this attitude towards me. Boy, am I glad that's true. 
Boy, am I glad that's true. But you have to receive him. John chapter 1. See, there's John again. Uh, your father, you, re- you receive your father. To all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who received him. Difficult for me to go back and, and play physical there, but, but I think you understand what we're talking about. All of my children would never deny me. Deny who I am and my relationship to them. Can I do that to my Heavenly Father? I don't think so. So who are we praying to? We're praying to a loving Father. We're praying to a loving Father. And where do we pray? Where do we pray? Well, we pray in private. We pray in public. My son Rob, my eldest, pushing 50 pushing says this about my public prayer normally public prayer uh, as I think about it off the top of my head is praying for my food in a restaurant and evidently when I pray for food in a restaurant uh, Rob as a young person as a child uh, always believed that I spoke too loudly in the restaurant so that those ladies in the back row heard every word of my prayer, and maybe I was in the back of my mind shaming them to say grace for the food that they were eating. I, I'm not sure, but he said, you know, tone it down, Dad, tone it down. He prays too loudly. And so now when we pray uh, in a restaurant, I usually say, okay, I'm, I'm going to pray, Rob. You ready for this? And... Uh, and is this loud enough? Is this a good volume that I'm using right now? And he'll, he, of course, he knows I'm joking with him. And uh, he gives me, quote, permission at that level to say, thank you, Father, for the food we're about to eat, et cetera, et cetera. Public prayer. But the whole purpose, and it's, it happens, and I'm so glad it does, because it makes it all the more uh, relevant for that public prayer. Because people will come as they walk by our table and stop and say, thank you for demonstrating what you do as a family. And that that's ha- doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't even happen frequently. But it does happen. I can't, I, I don't keep score. So, but it doesn't happen as often as I'd like it to happen. But it does happen. So people notice what's happening. They certainly notice when you got a kid that's unruly at the table and you're spoiling their dinner. They, they sure notice that, don't they? And they've been vocal about that upon occasion. Although my children were never unruly. And I give praise and thanks to my staff. No, I mean my wife for that. We just wouldn't allow it. So in public. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says you can pray anywhere. It says pray continually. See, because you don't have to pray with audible words. That's not, it isn't necessary. God knows your mind. God knows your heart. And if God knows your mind and your heart, you can think your prayers. Now, oftentimes we have problems with thinking our prayers because we have difficulty keeping our mind on topic, we've got other things going on, and we allow other things to interfere 
with what we're praying about or what we're doing. And so audible prayers for us helps keep us on track. But pray anywhere. Pray continually. When I'm driving, when I was commuting to Riverside every day, when I worked for the Registrar Voters, I was praying continually. Highway 60, you got to be kidding me. Uh, highway, you know, come on, give me a break. If you're not praying, you're just tempting fate, you know. Anyway, pray continually. Wherever you are. You can pray as you wake and should. If you're really in tune and you wake up and you finally realize, okay, I've made it into another day. Praise God, I'm going to, you know, that I'm not somewhere else. That I'm ready to go and do what God's will is today. Uh, thank you, Lord, for giving me another day. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity of being in church and speaking to you today. That was my prayer as I got out of bed this morning. Not, oh, you got to be kidding. i got to do this again. i got to pick out the suit to wear. And i got to wear a tie that, that fits in. And I've got, oh, the pressure. I think I'll just stay in bed. No, no, no. As you wake, as you wash and dress. People on Sunday, this is Sunday. You don't have to dress on Sunday. I mean, dress up. Uh, you can go around in your, you know, your shorts and, and especially in the weather that we're in. You know, the less, less is better. Well, to a certain degree. Uh, but there it is. So as you wash and dress, you, uh, you dress with your mind aloud in a praise for God. God, this is another day in which I, you have given me to serve you. Thank you, Father, as you wash and dress. In the middle of the day, work day. Yesterday was a work day for me. I was doing some things that I'm not going to explain right now because of the time constraints. My goodness, where's the time going? And I'm still on the first page of my notes. What am I going to do next week? Finish my notes. you got to come back next week. I ain't going to finish. I can tell you that right now. Okay, but in the middle of the day, as you go to sleep, now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my... Have you ever, you know that little child's prayer, don't you? I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Do you hear those words? If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Wow, that's heavy stuff. That's very heavy theology. Child's prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. you got to be kidding me as you sleep. And if you're wakeful, and I'll have to admit I have trouble with this one because I do get up about two or three times in the night and I'm never happy about that. And it's very difficult for me to pray. Maybe if I were to spend more time praying about the fact that, you know, almost like, well, you know, thank you, Lord. I'm I'm still living and breathing now and ready to serve you even at two o'clock in the morning when I have absolutely nothing to do I don't start my day before six, et cetera, et cetera. Pray for me about that. But you know, sometimes we wonder about answered prayer, and I'm going to take a moment and share that with you. I shared it with my Bible study class this morning. 
for four years, the last four years, I've been praying about my eyesight. I have glaucoma and I have very, very poor vision in my right eye. And I almost didn't pass the vision test uh, four years ago. Uh, and it was only the benevolence of the guy that was administering the test that I got my license four years ago. Uh, <clears throat> well, I just, and so for four years, I've been praying that I can pass the test this today or this this year because this year is a renewal year for me so that's been my prayer i went to my doctor and i and i said hey what happens if they if i fail my dmv test he says well you come and and i'll take care of it and i guess there's a special dispensation that your eye doctor can give uh because he's your eye doctor so i said well okay but i, I was it was a shaky thing that was a shaky foundation for me to be rejoicing about. Well, I went and renewed just a week or two ago. And I've never had a better eye test than the one I had in Palm Desert a couple of weeks ago. When the, she said, cover your left eye, and I looked at the up where eye charts were supposed to be, which is usually the way it is, I could actually see, I could read all five lines with my right eye. I don't know what that lady looks like right now. And I'm being honest, the lady in the back row. Uh, I'm not sure that I know. Is that Ruth or is that not Ruth? Let's see. Oh, praise God, the left eye works. But there you are. Anyway, I passed. And guess how many years I get? Count them. I get five years. That puts me into, you know, that range. Uh, maybe five years from now, I won't want to drive. And uh, it'll take care of that. But anyway, that's been an answer to prayer. I've been very concerned about that. And I couldn't believe how wonderful, how wonderfully I passed. And it wasn't that there was any cheating going on. I could see the silly chart and I read it. No cheating. And I did it. That's a loving God. That's a loving God. I've been praying and I couldn't possibly get the answer. So I've been praying for four years took me four years to see the answer to prayer. And I saw it. I got it. You will never be able to pray everywhere all the time until you have learned to pray somewhere some of the time. Isn't that clever? Let's do it again. You will never be able to pray everywhere all of the time until you have learned to pray somewhere, some of the time. That's another way of saying what? Get started. You can never run a marathon until you can run around the block. Make sense? And I don't do either one anymore. <laughs> uh, probably neither do you. But, but there it is. There's no rule about... <coughs> When to pray. I just went over that. You pray all the time. So you have to do it first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, you wake up, thank you God for the day, and you slip down on your knees, and you spend the next half hour praying and meditating over the book of Romans. Don't plug in the coffee. Don't do your morning thing in the restroom. Nothing. Nothing between... Well, that's... you got to be kidding. Doesn't happen that way. 
doesn't happen to me, never has, and I'm assuming that I'm speaking for most of us in the room. But you begin praying, I, you make a commitment, just like you make a commitment to make an appointment with anyone. Okay, You make a commitment. You look at your day, and I will make a commitment. As I pour my first cup of coffee, then I'm functioning, my brain's working, all of that stuff. When I pour my first cup of coffee, I will have conversation with God. I'll have conversation with God over the daily bread, or I'll have conversation with God over what's going on in my life. I'll have conversation with God over what's going on in your life. I'll have conversation with God over what's happening in Ridgecrest, which is the latest tragedy in in California, uh, and so on. That's once. And then every time that I sit down, oh, I, you know, I've got nothing. I'm just sitting here. I'm waiting for the doctor. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to be caught to take my driver's test. What am I praying about then? Oh, please, Lord, <laughs> do something about this silly right eye of mine, uh, and so on. And I was. I was a DMV. You know how DMV is crowded all of the time? Well, I was, was I on my knee? I don't get on my knees anymore. That's a problem too. Uh, but I was praying and people could look, somebody came by and said, are you sleeping? And I finished my sentence with God and then I looked up and said, no, I'm praying. Oh, excuse me, was the answer. And I finished my prayer. That's good. But once again, you can't pray everywhere all the time until you've learned to pray somewhere some of the time. I always pray in a restaurant. Always. I never go without saying grace in a restaurant, even when I'm eating alone. And that includes Denny's, you know, the lower end of the scale. Uh, that includes Carl's Jr. That includes ex- wherever I am, wherever I'm breaking bread, I pray. So that's the beginning, isn't it? That's the beginning. Kind of a repetitious prayer. Hey, thanks for the food. Amen. Boom. Well, I prayed. And I have. I've prayed. I mean, if I, but then you ask yourself, do I really mean it? And that's where we get, sometimes get into trouble. And we get into trouble in the same way we do when we memorize things to the point that we can actually say them or sing them or whatever without even thinking about it. Our mind is still thinking about what I'm having for dinner tonight or trying to decide what I'm having for dinner tonight as I pledge allegiance to the flag. As I say, Our Father who art in heaven, how will it be thy name? Am I dwelling upon what I just said? Our Father who art in heaven, how will it be thy name? Am I thinking about that? Do I realize what I've just said? What I just promised? What I said I believed? Or is it just words that come out of my mouth ritualistically and sometimes, and that's one of the problems that I have uh, with communion too frequently. There are churches that offer communion every week. 
There are churches that offer communion every day. There are, and so on. We offer communion every month. Last Sunday of the month, by the way, for those of you that don't know, <coughs> because that becomes a ritual. This is my body that's broken. This is my blood that was given. Let's have some. Boom, boom. Thank you very much. Goodbye. I mean, I'm being flippant, but, but there it is. And, and we, so, uh-oh, he said his message, and now we got five more minutes. we got to do this cracker and grape juice business. I don't really like grape juice, but, you know, whatever. Ritualistic. Not taking the meaning. This is my body, which is broken for you. This is the New Testament. The New Testament means the New Covenant, which means the New Promise. Whatever version you want to take that verse out of, there it is. That's what this is. And it's my blood. It's my blood that's going to be given for you, speaking in context, tomorrow. I'm saying it today, and I'm going to do it tomorrow. That's Jesus. The night before he was betrayed and tried and crucified, he said, this is my blood, which is the New Testament for you. This is it. But what should I pray for? And we'll get this far. What should I pray for? We can pray for unity. We pray for unity right here. In our little group, we're in pretty good shape here. We pray for unity in our community. Definitely we better start praying for unity in our state. And I'm trying not to be political here, but there it is. Republicans and Democrats need to learn how to what? Get along, right? Congress can't get anything done because Congress can't get along. Pray for unity. So at whatever level you're talking about, Pray for unity in your family. I spent 10 years not speaking to one of my sisters. That's not true. That's not right. And we'll talk about that another time. But there's that idea about unity. Pray to know God's will. That's really an easy one. God's will is really easy. What's God's will for my life? I can tell you right now, walk out the door, you got it. God's will for your life is to take the love of God that has come into your life and give it to someone else. There it is. Oh, by the way, that's the mission of this church. That's the mission of any church that is Christ-centered. Pray for the services, which we have today. Pray for me that I don't blow it too badly. Pray for new Christians that they learn that they come to grow, that they understand mission, that they understand all of that business. Pray for persecuted Christians. Pray for the people, and we don't know what their spiritual condition is. In Ridgecrest, there's all kinds of turmoil going on. In Ridgecrest right now, there's all kinds of turmoil going on. In Paradise right now, and I'm talking about the city in California, there's all kinds of turmoil going on in in Idlewild right now. 243 still isn't open and we don't know when it will be and it's hurting their economy and so on. Could we pray about Idlewild, you know, making it through the year? Persecuted Christians, pray for missionaries and we've got a list of them that we financially support. So we're sending them money. You'd think that we could take a moment and say, I'm praying that they're able to do what their mission statement calls for, 
And every single one of those, by the way, they wouldn't be our missionaries if it's somewhere in their mission statement it didn't say we're going to reach out and touch people for Christ. <laughs> They're not a missionary in my church. Pray uh, when someone's in severe trouble. I asked you to pray for Mark Rollins. His mother was dying for six months, literally. She was lying in a bed, dying for six months. And he was there every day. What a time for him. Now she's passed away. Praise God. The suffering is over. Praise God. The jewel is now in the presence of the Father. And praise God that Mark is now understanding that. And he knows that. He knows where she is. Is able to reconcile himself uh, to that fact. Pray for Christian leaders. Pray for healing. Every one of us has got to, you know, I'd love to have the glaucoma over with. I really would. I'd love to have the little chronic back problem I have. that The doctor tells me I can't run anymore. I used to run all the time, and I love to run. But I can't run anymore. I'd, that'd be great. That'd be a great miracle. I'd love to get down on my knees again and not have to have my grandson help me up. I can get down there, no problem, but it's the getting up part. And some of you are, yeah, I understand that. But there it is. So what? What do we pray for? What do we pray for? Who do we pray to? That's what we're talking about. I call this message the four W's, where, when, and so on. Who, where, when, and we're going on. And next week, it looks like we're going to do part two. You must be here. Next week, no excuses. You're going to miss the best part. I've got a, I've got a climatic, dramatic ending. You're going to help me write that, right? The, the, the finale? Anyway, there it is. Who do we pray to? A loving Father. What do we pray? When do we pray? I think we covered that. And it, for some of, for all of us, there are certain things we should be praying for. And then there are certain things that you're praying for because that's part of your personal life. And sometimes you add that. And we appreciate that. I love the back of our bulletin as we close. Because these are people that we know and love. They're part of our group. And these are concerns that they have on their heart. And they're asking us to join them in praying for them. Every single one of them. Pray for them. Are you praying for them? Are you praying for the missionaries? That's why they're listed up there. That's one of the the letters that I get. Hey, thanks for the bucks, but thanks for your prayers. Thanks for your, it's always the first way. Thank you for your prayers and your financial support. Prayers. Pray. 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 Be with us. Join with us in prayer. I ask you to join me and Shirley and the others that are, that are working in this church to do what? To satisfy the mission. And the mission is what? To reach out. Pray pray. Makes you a part of it. 
We want you to be a part of it. And we thank the Lord Jesus Christ for that opportunity because He is always there. Always there. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for being there. For me. For us. For everyone who will call upon your name. Let's pray. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you for this opportunity once again to have a look at what a holy life is about. About our opportunity to be in your presence. To communicate with you. To receive direction from you. We ask now that your Holy Spirit continue to guide us in our walk, in our daily walk, in our every step. And for this, we do give thanks and we give praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's stand up. Living for Jesus. Jesus through striving to please him.